So we can we can talk about this more later, but I do want you to know I have very hot coffee. <laughs> oh, look at this. We both have our ember mugs out. That's amazing. That's funny because uh, um, I'm actually, I have the white one that's a little bit smaller, but I'm using my husband's because his is bigger and he goes to an office every day now. So he right. doesn't need. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, um, I am definitely, so I ordered a second base for mine because I need two bases because right now my office is in the basement, obviously. So the base is down here so that I can keep it warm during the day, but I want to charge it overnight and I don't have to bring it back downstairs and then take it back upstairs. And that's going to be yep. even more true when my office moves to the backyard. So yeah, I've been seeing your stuff on Instagram. Um, yeah, the bases, I have one, I keep one up at my desk um, and we keep one downstairs. I have had um, a problem with the braces bake, um, bases breaking, like stopping working before, but their customer service is really good. If you just do the live chat with them on the website, um, send a picture of it, they'll send you a new one for free. So, good to gotcha. know. <laughs> well, and I have had this weird thing where sometimes I expect it to, I feel like when you have uh, liquid, in the cup it does and it's sitting on the base it doesn't necessarily charge it just or, or let me rephrase that it doesn't charge as fast as the battery is being used to heat up because like it seems like to me it's slowly and it takes me a long time to drink a cup of coffee which is the whole reason i wanted this in the first place so that if it sits there for like three hours it'll eventually will just drain the battery because the heater uses more battery power per minute than the charger recharges i don't know if that makes sense but i don't don't take that long to drink a cup of coffee i actually probably drink it too (laughs) fast but i have used it to warm up a cup of coffee like it's in the pot the coffee pot still and the coffee pot has cooled off but it it will take a long time to warm it up it is not meant to reheat beverages it's meant to keep them warm (laughs) yeah well and if you do that so i found that it doesn't take a super long time to reheat them but your battery basically is like gone <laughs> it's like okay i can do this once for you and then that's it yeah i'll heat your ju- i'll heat your coffee up and then that's all i got in me so yeah pretty anyway. much yeah um i'm, trying I'm to... super happy about it i'm so glad you got one yeah i can't go back now like i look at other coffee cups now like they're swill I'm like <laughs> you can you i can use you to heat up frozen vegetables so you don't deserve coffee <laughs> so my only problem is that i have the small one mm. and so i w- it's not it's it's actually good for like an Americano because that's about the exact yeah, yeah. amount of ratio of espresso to hot water that you would want. But if I just want a big cup of coffee and I have a lot, I mean, you can see, I don't know if you can actually see any of them. There's, yeah, you can see like I have a bunch of these Starbucks mm. We've talked about those yeah. ones. Yeah. And so it's hard. For, it kind of kills me a little bit to not use all the coffee mugs I have, but it is very nice to have well, a warm cup of well, coffee. Well, when you when you write your review of the Ember coffee mug, you should also include a section about how to repurpose all your favorite nostalgic coffee mugs, like pen holders oh, yeah. or you know whatever. <laughs> or some of them have taken place as decoration on my shelves. Yeah, or bookends, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, so I think oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of them up there: New York, Dubai, Vail, San Francisco. They're all sitting up on the yeah, shelf. I keep so, mine in anyway. the kitchen. Mine are in the kitchen. We have um part of our is. Like our cupboards are the glass doors. Um, so I keep the ones that have uh, the cool looking coffee mugs up there. Yeah. Well, I don't, I can't give you like an explanation for how this divides out in my brain, but like upstairs, the ones I actually use are like the Michigan, Alaska, some of Barcelona is a cool one. The Amsterdam one is pretty cool. So like there are some that I use from places, but then mm-hmm. there are some that I, I'm like, I don't need 15 of these mugs. So there's- some of them are decoration. And none of them get used because I just use this one. <laughs> so you like to um, bring have coffee mugs from every place you visited then? Yeah, gotcha. just from every place that has a Starbucks basically, right? Oh, like, okay. That's, that's, they're just the Starbucks mugs from different places. And so that just kind of became someone. So someone gave me one. A friend of mine from Nashville gave me one many, 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 many years ago. And I think it was like a gift because for whatever reason. And then I believe I started collecting them some period after that. And it was a long time ago because they like switched from the old, like I, you can kind of see this one down here. Mm-hmm. That actually is the Nashville one. I just had to look cause I can't see in my own screen, but th- they were that kind of a d- uh, graphic and now they're like more colorful. And so I have some of both and most of the old ones are down here as decoration and the new ones are upstairs. But yeah, I just, I just bring them home. So very cool. 
Yeah. I was wondering because the, um, what we do for like places we visited, we like to get um, Christmas tree ornaments like to, for every place that we've been. So yeah, cool. we do that too. And we actually used to do a thing where we would get a picture frame from places, but then we realized we don't actually print pictures. So like, oh, yeah. <laughs> why are, why are we buying picture frames? I know all of the pictures we have, like my parents, like give us framed pictures of like ourselves all the time, like for holidays a lot, because we don't print them. And she knows that like, she'll go onto my social media or wherever she finds them and she prints them and puts them in great for yeah. next frames. It's kind of nice. But uh, yeah, we're not big on Starbucks over here. It's, um, we're kind of like, I like Starbucks, but we're big on all the local stuff. And I've thought of you when, um, we go to the one we like a lot um, locally here. It's called Dark Side Coffee, and it's all Star Wars themed. But they truly have the oh, best cool. ground coffee around. We buy all of our beans from there. I mean, now, best, you buy uh, them... best whole bean coffee around. Okay, I was just going to ask yeah, if you buy them. We don't ground, buy that gra- you know already ground. We've become very yeah. snobby, and um, you know, <laughs> this, this things I'm noticing as I like tiptoe into middle age about things that are changing for me from like when I was in my you know twenties and even early thirties. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, and uh, we did so we we had there's a coffee franchise up in this area called Big B, which is very popular. They're actually headquartered here. I actually in an earlier episode interviewed one of the founders slash CEOs. They have two CEOs. Um, and we actually have some members of our family who own some franchises of that, but yet the reason, so like the big B Starbucks thing is kind of like a thing around here, like a, not really like a rivalry, but it's a thing, but Starbucks is everywhere. So for me, it's much more convenient to have the Starbucks app and I can just use that like anywhere I go in the world, literally. So yeah anyway true yeah that makes a lot of sense it's good for travelers i'm like we always try to like find the local coffee space wherever like any place we visit and then like if it's good we'll be like do you have you know we'll buy some sure. of the ground coffee and bring it back but it's been really hard for us to find anything that um compares to dark side with the exception of and we'll talk about what we came here to do <laughs> um, but um with the exception of i don't know if you ever heard of onyx coffee it's based out of northwest Isn't that, you sent me some didn't you I did. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. that was forever ago. Yeah. I was thinking about it. It's been, I've been where I work technically, you know, we went through an acquisition, but for almost it'll be four years this summer, which is kind of wild. So it makes sense it why wild. I don't remember that I sent you coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah. Okay. So yeah, yes, we should, we have a couple of things to talk about today. We called an emergency session of the podcast <laughs> for today, but we probably should address for people before we do that sort of the whole, like, well, it, shouldn't have to have been an emergency session like podcast episodes every week but obviously ours is not and that's okay but we have sort of we i had this idea the other day because basically the the problem was we both really enjoy doing this it's just very difficult for the two of us to align our schedules to actually do it like that's really been the only issue there's plenty of things to talk about it's it's very fun to talk about them together it's just we both have jobs and families and all of the things that come with children and jobs and all of that kind of stuff. Probably my schedule is a tiny bit more flexible, but even still like with travel and stuff, it has just been very hard for us to on a regular basis say, Hey, we're going to record every week at this time, partially because just to be candid, like this podcast for neither of us is really a job. It's kind of like a hobby, right? And it's fun. It's not <laughs> revenue generating. Right. Which, you know. <laughs> right. And so but if you anything, can change that dear listener. <laughs> that's a true story. So yeah, that's true. Tell all of your friends and that would be fantastic. So what we have sort of thought about doing is that we're going to do just what we did here where it's like, Hey, if we have a thing we want to talk about, we'll record a, an episode. And then I will also find other people to try to do those sort of things. Not necessarily in the goal will be to try to piece together sort of a semi-regular schedule. Um, I get a lot of opportunities to interview different people. I've, we, we've had some of those on this uh, channel, whatever you want to call it. Platform. Um, yeah. yeah <laughs> in, in the past. And that will continue. And I actually, uh, Jess, I'll tell you about it. Um, but I'm not, but I'm not going to tell the listeners yet, but I have a very, special guest lined up for next week Ooh. to talk about the new home pods. So, and I actually I literally confirmed that about a minute and a half before we started. Oh, cool. <laughs> so now it has to happen because I just <laughs> told people it's going to happen. But anyway, um, and so that's the kind of thing that I will, will try to put together. So the, the, the goal will be that the podcast will be available on a, at least semi ish regular basis. It won't always be Jess and I, it'll, 
probably mostly be me because I'm not going <laughs> to ask Jess to like interview people, record it and upload it as a podcast. <laughs> but, th- but the hope is that there will be like, we will still get together and do this kind of thing. It just won't be on a regular basis. It'll be more like, Hey, we should really talk about this thing that is happening. Let's find time to do that. And that's exactly what happened for today. Uh, and so I had sent Jess a message a week, probably a week and a half ago or something and said, Hey, we really should talk about this chat GPT thing because it's everywhere. In fact, I tried to log on this morning and like, it's like overrun. (laughs) It was was down this morning. It was down this morning because there were too many people trying to use it. Welcome. Let's see if I'm going to, I'm going to try right now and see if it'll let me log in and Oh, yeah, I got in just now. So, okay. Yes, I am. I am also in. But this morning, which it's uh, Wednesday the 1st, it would not, I couldn't get in. It was like overrun. It was too busy. And now I don't remember what it was I was going to ask it to do, but it doesn't matter. Probably most of our listeners have heard of ChatGPT in some way or form, but I I feel like it would be good to sort of... uh, break this into a couple pieces. The first one, we can explain what it is. Then one of the reasons that it became so maybe bubbled up to more people's level of awareness is that Microsoft announced a deal where they're going to put a whole bunch of money into it, which, and they've talked about wanting to bring the capabilities to Bing, which is still a search engine, believe it or not, (laughs) like it still exists. (laughs) And there was a big level of controversy that I think for both Jess and I was very interesting because CNET, which is one of the most respected tech publications, probably at least in this country, basically got caught publishing articles that were produced by, I don't know if it was specifically with chat GPT, but by an AI bot, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're just spit out by artificial intelligence. We can talk about some of that. And then finally, like why, why would Microsoft beat google to this whole thing so like those are kind of the pieces does that sound about right in terms of all the things we wanted to cover yeah it, it makes sense um actually um just uh as we were talking about it i was watching it spit out an article because i wanted to see if it would work quickly for me too <laughs> but then there was a pop-up that said we are experiencing exceptionally high demand so um, yeah yeah this is a hot topic it is and I see it's... It. it's like writing an article that almost looks like one someone on my team has written but (laughs) like at least the intro not the whole thing so kind of kind of interesting so yeah let's continue (laughs) okay so let's first talk briefly about uh what what we mean what is chat gpt and i think the important thing for people to sort of wrap their head around is right it's a ai artificial intelligence powered text generator now some people were probably familiar or had seen dolly which and there's other ones that are ai powered image generators right like that kind of talking about the sheep but (laughs) it kind of like exploded in in the like october like a couple months before this it it really like over the summer into the fall exploded where you'd start seeing these ai generated images and what they do is they go out on the internet and they like train these models on all of these images and then you could tell it like draw me a painting like picasso of just sitting at her desk or a person sitting at her desk i may not know who Jess is and it would do that it would spit it out for you we did we had fun with our kids like give me an anime style image of pikachu fighting thor like our kids love that like we and some of them are pretty like kind of grotesque and hideous and you can like refine them and stuff. So that was like the first thing that happened. And then OpenAI, which is the company that has sort of created this, both Dolly and um, ChatGPT rolled out a text-based version of that where you could type in a prompt. So Jess, what did you type in to the little box? It's not going to be exciting for for (laughs) listeners, but um, it's actually a keyword that I've been trying to push to the top of the SERPs um, about the best CRMs for small business because it's just like gotten, you know, really competitive. Um, So I typed that in and it gave me kind of like five options um, in a bullet format, kind of like I would see at the beginning of like a buyer's guide. um, And then it stopped there. Okay. And I just typed in, write me an article about why AI text generation is dangerous. And it's doing it right now. <laughs> it says, oh, wow. yeah. AI, artificial intelligence has made remarkable progress, especially in the field of natural language processing. One of the latest breakthroughs is AI-powered generated text. 
The first danger is the potential for spreading misinformation. Okay, so we're going to pause. <laughs> and it's going through and it's doing this whole thing. It's like spitting out another danger is a threat to personal privacy. The third danger is potential for abuse. In conclusion, like it made a nice little 350 word quote article. Okay, and it and it looks like the computer came up with stuff, right? It, it makes you think like, mm-hmm. the, and, and that's sort of the idea. What's important though, and I think what people like don't fully understand is that really what this is doing is it's just a predictor. So it, when you enter in a a question or a phrase or a thing, it looks at all of those words and then it predicts what is the most likely like word in response. And then when it puts a word down, it looks at what's the most likely word to come after that. So it's looking at all of this text out on the internet, right? And it's trying to decide on this particular topic, if I use this phrase, what would be the next phrase? And then what would be the next phrase? And it's just stringing all those things together. Like chat GPT is actually not thinking about the thing you asked (laughs) and forming an, like it can't give you analysis of something. Mm -hmm. And and so there are a lot of limits. Like you couldn't just say to it, tell me about the newest HomePod because it doesn't know that it exists, right? Like it doesn't, it can't search the internet today for what just happened. It's only going to give you a response based on what has already been incorporated into it. Does that, if that distinction makes any sense. Gotcha. Can it, so that's kind of like the mindset I have is that it can't, while it it can be helpful, it can't replace like a human expert or human knowledge or um, real time information. Um, or and I don't know that it could do things necessarily like comparative language really well, um, like comparing two different types of software, two different types of cats or whatever. I haven't played with it enough to know, like to really understand the limitations and like the impact it's going to have on our industry. Right. Yes. And we'll get to that in just a second, the writing part of it, because part of the problem with it is and this has been like demonstrated sort of in a humorous way is that because it's it's (laughs) it it does not have any sort of guide or filter for accuracy so if you ask it a question it gives you a bunch of stuff that passes whatever its prediction model is but it doesn't actually know if it's correct so for example there are all kinds of questions where like someone will say how many letters are in the word 19 and it'll say 12 like that's not true right there are not 12 letters in the word 19 but that's because it's just somehow predicting like that that's the appropriate word, but it doesn't actually know. It can't count the letters in a word, right? So it's just wrong, <laughs> right? And, okay. and so right. and, and so it's very bad at math. It's also bad Don't at- Don't lie. <laughs> it's, it's also bad at things like, tell me how to cook a chicken, right? It might just, it'll tell you these things and it'll just, it'll just be wrong. It'll- so it's kind of like how the same way, um, you know, the device, I'm not going to say it, the like devices in our home will sometimes just spit out super inaccurate information, right? Like sure. Voice and <laughs> yes. However, those are just trying to, f- those are essentially like a glorified interface to a search engine. Right. Basically. Right. And what they do is they prioritize certain types of information that they know people care about. So for example, if you're like wanting to know what the score of a game is, any of them, Google, uh, Amazon's thing that I won't name and Apple's thing that I won't also name. We'll just, they, they, they intentionally have a source where they are like, well, live scores about basketball games. Let's go to whatever ESPN.com or something like that. And so that they can get that information for you quickly. But again, your virtual assistant doesn't know, doesn't even know what the basket doesn't know what basketball is. It just knows where to look to re- regurgitate some, um, some information. So for example, this says, I just asked how to cook a chicken and it just said to cook it at 425 degrees for an hour um, until the internal temperature reaches 74 degrees. Now here's the interesting thing. 74 degrees. (laughs) Well, I don't know what that would be in, in uh, fair. I'm assuming it must mean Celsius. It must be because it'd be about like 160 ish or whatever for, but I don't have a clue. (laughs) I'm not going to cook it to 74 degrees. Um, so it's going to, it's going to take this and it, that's not terribly bad. It's like kind of gave me like a recipe, but there are other examples where someone says, how do I fry an egg? And it says, you know, you know, do such and such, turn on your boiler, put the egg in and then flip it over being careful not to crack the shell. Well, it doesn't know that you would never try to fry an egg in its shell. You would have <laughs> cracked hilarious. the egg first and put, right? Like, <laughs> so I just asked it what sports are on today. 
just to see what it would do okay. with that. And it said, I'm sorry, but as a language model, I do not have access to real-time information or schedules, so I cannot tell right. you, blah, blah, blah. My training data only goes up to September 2021. Yeah, and so and that's actually an interesting point. So ChatGPT is actually based on a older language model. There is a newer language model. And what I mean by a language model is like take a set of data, feed it into a machine, it processes it, and then it can spit out this kind of stuff. And it's using an older language model right now. I think it's GPT 3.5. I I think that that's correct. And there's already version four. They're just not using version four yet. So it is limited in that. You can't you cannot ask it for current events. You can't ask it about news things that are happening. You can't ask it to describe a, a game that happened last night. Um, if I were to ask it, let me click stop generating because right now it's telling me what a CRM is. I was curious what that would be. <laughs> Who is the greatest football player of all time? This is relevant because Tom Brady finally announced he's retiring for good this morning. Mm. So let's see what it says because you're supposed to be able to, oh, something went wrong. <laughs> Okay. And you wanted to stay, apparently it wants to stay out of that conversation. So, but one of the things you're <laughs> supposed to be able to do is like, you could ask it a question and then ask it a follow-up question, but it doesn't really mm. know what the previous question was. It's just, again, predicting which words should come next. Right. Well, yeah, that's just, um, it, to me, that's super telling when it says it only goes up to September, 2021, because if you're looking at like, you know, things that are in the general SERPs and search SERPs are for people who don't know or search engine result pages. Um, then how is it pulling at anything that's like super accurate? Like if we have an article on the internet that was published, you know, in 2021, I'm like, I want to get right. that out of there. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think about, you know, with the implications. Yeah. Well, here. so in here, the interesting thing is right now, this, this is exploding because it's entertaining and it's accessible. It, it, the accessible part is important because people, anyone can go to this website, just openai.com and click on the, or chat.openai.com will take you directly to chat GPT. I think you have to create an account, but it's free at this point. And anybody can just start typing things in and seeing what it does. Right. And in some ways you're just helping it learn, which that's fine, whatever. Um, but it's, it's not a reliable source of anything <laughs> at this point, which is, both sort of the, I think that's the fundamental problem. I'll get to that in a minute, but it's not necessarily a problem with chat GPT. It's a problem with, we see a shiny thing and we're like, boom, let's go use this for this, for whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it is. You can't, like I asked it a minute ago to explain the different, um, unfortunately I had to reload the page, so it's gone, but tell me the difference between volts and amps. And it like kind of did, but it's not going to be able to tell me how to wire up my house, right? Like I'm going to go to YouTube and watch a video yeah. for that. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm just going to call an electrician. Let's be honest, but <laughs> right. It, it, it doesn't actually know things. It just is good at right. spitting out stuff that sounds good. And that's why people are so enthralled with it because you can do that. Like if you want to know how to cook a chicken, like if you Google that, type that into Google, it'll just give you a bunch of recipes, right? Right. But Google won't actually tell you how to write or how to cook a chicken, it will just point you to what it thinks is the most reliable source of that information. Right, right. So that's kind of, that's kind of goes to like what I was reading in um, about uh, which one of the articles of the about the, the Verge article. And I was reading the comments about it. And someone said, you know, when I'm trying to get information, I don't want, you know, to spit out a paragraph, I want a list of, of articles or something that I can look at. So it just goes back to like this is fun to play with and it's interesting to think about the implications of what it's going to do in the future but as far as like actually being a service that helps answer questions in a tangible way that's helpful i don't know that it does that much yet right okay so let's talk for a second about the microsoft thing because most people like maybe maybe people who are listening to this heard that microsoft invest is made a deal to basically invest 10 billion dollars into open ai which it had already invested money into OpenAI previously, but part of that deal is that OpenAI runs on Microsoft's cloud platform, which is known as Azure, uh, as opposed to Amazon has AWS and Google has Google Cloud. Microsoft's is called Azure, and that's like the underpinning like cloud service that uh, OpenAI uses for all of its AI stuff. In Microsoft, you, if you think about Microsoft, there's really two different things here. One, they want to incorporate these AI things capabilities into its different like cloud computing platforms. And I can see how that would be useful. For example, if you were a company 
and you wanted to have on your website a chat bot that you know we every website you visit like the customer service they want you to use a chat bot right like that already exists mm-hmm. and i'm sure some of those are powered by services on microsoft's cloud computing platform and you can just imagine that those could actually get better by incorporating this technology the difference would be that companies the information you'd be training the quote chat gpt or whatever on is relevant to that company. It's not going to tell you how to cook a chicken. It's going to tell you how to reset your modem or how to, you know, whatever the thing is that you need. How do I cancel my subscription? (laughs) Right. And instead of seeming like you're just talking to a chat bot, this technology will make it seem like you're talking to a person. Right. So that's, that's one part of it. Then the other side. And it could be even indiscernible. Right. Right. Like right now it, it tells you, you know, you know, if you're talking to a bot, but it could like pull conversational snippets, like take things in a knowledge base, for example, for some kind of software and then um, repurpose that automatically to make it conversational. Right, right, yep. And so then the other side of it is Bing, which (laughs) is still a search engine. And actually, you know, essentially if you, you, there are a lot of search engines. There's Bing, we all know about Google. There's DuckDuckGo has a search engine. There's um, Ecosia, which is like for every search, they plant a tree kind of, that's like an oversimplification, but there's like all these different search engines. Yahoo. Yeah. All of them. (laughs) Remember Excite? Yeah. yeah, Alta Vista, all those different things. All of them, except for Google, basically just use Bing's search results because they license out their index and their search, whatever to all these. So like if you use DuckDuckGo, it's basically just a white label for, for Bing. So the, the core search results come from Bing in some cases, the ads probably come from Microsoft and Bing, but then they build their own interface or whatever on top. Like Brave has a search engine. I believe Brave's search engine is also just Bing. So the Bing, like it is a real thing, but no one goes to Bing.com to search for anything. According to the comments, some people use it regularly, but I think those are the only ones speaking up. <laughs> I don't. I, I And I even don't even know if I believe that that's true. Like Bing's market share is like, Maybe they work for Bing. Maybe they work for Microsoft. <laughs> like that's the only explanation here that I think of anyone going to Bing to to search for stuff. Or they use Microsoft Edge, like on a Windows mm-hmm. PC, and the default is set to Bing, and they just haven't changed it yet, right? Like, yes. yeah. which I think is true. So if you're if you're like Microsoft, one of the largest companies in the world, and you have a search engine that basically no one uses, that's probably frustrating. And if there's a way you could different, like your search results are not going to differentiate you because by default, everyone just uses Google. Like that's 95% of people just just use Google. More than half of the internet's traffic starts with Google searches, right? Like we know that this is true. And if you are trying to break through, having better search results, because honestly, Google search results a lot of times are not very good, right? Never mind the mm-hmm. fact that if you search for something, the first eight links are probably just ads google's gotten yeah, this greedy. is the bane of my existence yes. it's giving me hives just talking about it google has gotten very greedy <laughs> so, so setting aside the fact that google has gotten greedy like a lot of the internet is just spam created to rank highly in google and so like mm-hmm. google search results are not necessarily great bing might have better search results but people that's not enough for people to use it so if you're microsoft and you feel like you have good search results the fact that you might be able to skin them or or replace the 10 blue links with an interface that someone could ask a question and then you could feed bing data into something like chat gpt like that that's a real thing that would give you a like people would do that instead right if i could go to bing.com and instead of typing in a search phrase and getting 10 blue links and be like well why would i use this instead of google if it just told me like a story (laughs) or it just explained it to me like that's different that i mean it's a it's an interesting concept. It's a very bold move for Microsoft to make that giant of an investment on the hopes that they can, you know, become more popular than Google. It's kind of wild if you think about it. Like, wow, that's like, you know, it's one thing to test that out with like a minimal investment, but they're like taking a really big swing. And just yes. my my humble opinion. <laughs> so. Yes, they're, well, they are taking a big swing. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, there's a lot of conversation about, well, is this going to be, like, is this an existential threat to Google? Now, the truth is, Google also is very good at this, right? They they are, they've, they have contributed a lot of the technology in the AI space. They have multiple different language models. They liked to demo them. I've seen at least three recent Google events where 
the CEO Sundar Pichai is talking to an AI bot that tells you about what it would be like to be Pluto or some random, like it, like Google has this technology. The interesting thing is that Google has been intentional about not unleashing it on the public. And the reason is most of the time it's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like AI, it's this, this has no capability of knowing for accuracy. And so it's just spitting out all of this stuff that sounds good and people will believe it. And, but if it's wrong and you're Google, like if you are Google, the company that people associate with where do I go to get an answer to a question you can't have something out there that's facing the public that most of the time is just wrong yeah right like like no because you are a hundred percent dependent on people trusting you right like that is your core brand problem now set aside like all of the problems that maybe Google has with people being suspicious about tracking or all of those things like the point is if people no longer trust Google, that's where the threat is, right? So it's it's not Microsoft having a fancy thing. It would be my, it'd be Google having the fancy thing, people finding out it's wrong and being like, well, we can't use Google anymore. Right, yeah, and that, like, it just kind, kind of goes back to something we're both really familiar with, is best answer. If it's not the best yeah. answer for the reader, um, then it doesn't matter how fancy it is. It's kind of like how um, what I say about customer service, if you have the best product or service out there, but the customer service sucks, um, I think we can say that on a non-explicit podcast. <laughs> then, it, then the, totally then the product, then the product is is you know not very meaningful, right? And so I think it, I think it's interesting because clearly, like on one side, Microsoft, if if they care about Bing, it, it makes sense for them to take a huge swing like this because they have very little to lose in this particular space. Except for ten billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, but see, yeah. if you think about all of the the first part of what I said. Like they'll get the return on that investment just from building these capabilities into enterprise products for True. a company. You know what I mean? The the advertising money that comes from Bing is such a small part of the company that they can afford to take a huge risk like this and see if they can disrupt things. And I don't generally think of Microsoft as a disruptor, but in this case, like maybe, yeah. you know, Google, I mean, Microsoft has money to burn. <laughs> they make a lot of money, a lot of money, like ridiculous amounts of money they can spend it on this stuff and they're thinking they're trying to think five to eight years down the road not like tomorrow and that's really where the return comes on this and on the other side google who you would think would be the first to this is like we can't we we believe that this is where things are going Mm -hmm. but we can't release it yet because that would be like releasing if you were apple and you had an iphone and you had a new feature that you thought like you were going to release but it just didn't work you couldn't put that in the iphone no matter how cool it was because people depend on their iPhone to just work, right? Like right. that you've made a brand promise and you can't, you just can't go back on that. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's very interesting. Do I think it's an existential threat to Google? The only exception to that is if we get to a point where we're no longer expecting to type something in and see 10 blue links, that's a problem for Google because that's where those 10 blue links is where it makes all of its money. Right. Right. By putting ads against, search results it's really interesting to see like microsoft be the ones to like really take a stab at this first because i think of google as the more entrepreneurial brand and like the you know also my brand of choice like i do not like working in the microsoft suite of products but i really you know i live in google workspace so it's going to be interesting to watch um and i don't i don't have any predictions or like who i'm really rooting for but i also like don't love change all the time so (laughs) well it, this is good. This is going to change. You no, know, like this. This type of technology is going to change the way we do business, no matter what. It's just going to be who's going to be the, like the leader in the industry as far as implementing right. it effectively. Well, and actually, you just made a great point because you think about what Google, Google Docs, for example. Now, to be to be fair, Google Workspace, which is Docs, Sheets, whatever, all that stuff, is pretty huge at this point because anyone with a Gmail, which is like billions of people, can use them. But most of those people don't pay for it. So right. it is, as a paid product, a much, much smaller thing than Microsoft Office. Right? Mm-hmm. True. That's a good point. And, but, but Google Docs has so, is so much better at so many things, especially collaboration, than Microsoft. But Microsoft could make Word do that. The problem is it would break some things for people, and there are just a million enterprises that depend on it working the way that it's always worked. So Microsoft just can't, they cannot take the reputational risk that suddenly Microsoft word stops 
doing the thing that people expect it to do. But Google's like, so what? Like we just made this thing up and we can do whatever we want. And if you like it, it's free, use it. And if you don't go back and use Word, whatever. But as a result, I would way rather use Google Docs any day. Like when I open it, when I double click on a link that someone sends me and it opens Microsoft Word because I do have it on my computer, I'm like, nope, force quit. And I'm like, just I'll <laughs> I know, open it. I'll way. download that thing and open it in pages before I want it in Microsoft Word. Like I do just do not want to open Microsoft Word. I, me neither. I will download it and then I will open it. Upload it to I Google Drive. I drag Docs. it into my drive, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so annoying. But, uh, but, but, but the opposite then is true for search. Microsoft mm-hmm. is basically the opposite. It's like, it, we can do whatever we want. Let's experiment. Let's see if we can take some, like nobody's really using this. And when I say nobody, yes, I'm sure millions of people are using it. It's just on a relative scale to the amount of people who are using Google search, it's like nothing. So it's like, we can, let's shake things up. Let's see what we can do. And Google's like, well, we can't change that because 3 billion people use it every day. And if it's suddenly different or people can't trust it, that is for them an existential threat. Microsoft doesn't make any money off of search, really. Like they make some, but compared to what they make on licensing Microsoft Office or Microsoft Mm -hmm. Windows, like forget it. So yeah. Okay, so the last thing about this, we talked about trust I wanted to talk about is the whole, the CNET story. So CNET, one of these vaunted, very respected tech, publications was essentially caught using AI text generation to publish full stories on their website as if they had been written by people, right? Like, and this is weird, strange, scary. I'm not really sure. It was bad. Like the specific examples they called out in there in them of like what it looked like the plagiarism basically looked really bad. I felt really bad for, um, CNET just because they are a reputable brand and this is just really damaging for them. Yeah. Well, and so the problem, yes. So they're, they're having the problem that Google's trying to avoid, right? Which is the Mm -hmm. reputational problem. But the problem is like one, you're right. There was people who reviewed them found like that the, that it was plagiarizing articles, including articles on their own website. But two, there were places where it was just wrong. Like, and they were using, they were using, I think, chat GPT or whatever it was that they were using to create these articles to answer questions like, you know, what is a compound interest rate or, you know, how these different like technical financial type questions or whatever. And they would give interest or give examples in information that was just like actually factually wrong that a human being would in a second go like, nope, that's not how compound interest works. That's not how a mortgage works. That's not how whatever it is works. But no, but like they published it on their website as if it was just good. Now they said that someone was like a human would be editing these. You should fire that person because they didn't catch any of this stuff, right? Like it's not a good thing, but I do think there's an interesting piece where the reason CNET was doing this is actually emblematic of a much bigger problem, which is what we talked about sites that just generate articles just so that they can try to get them to rank highly. Like, now, there's a difference. There are a lot of websites whose goal is to like that make their money by affiliate marketing and stuff. But the point is like we will make the money by affiliate marketing if we provide the best answer to our readers, right? We will become a trusted source because we will use humans who are experts at this thing and they will write content about whatever it is, interest rates or CRMs or business Sounds websites. Familiar. Well, I'm just saying like <laughs> but the point yeah. there is like we're going to become a trusted source. People will trust our opinion because we are good at this. And then we can make recommendations that they will then also maybe make a purchase and we'll make some money. Mm-hmm. That's very different than let's see if we can get a bot to spit out a hundred articles and let's just try to get them to rank highly so that we can just rake in pennies every time someone, cl- you know, like that's a very different yeah. thing, but it is a big symptom of like the whole problem there is trust, right? It, it hurts CNET's brand. And I'm curious, like as a writer and as an editor, like, what are your thoughts about having, like, is this a competitor for having human beings write this type of article? Or is it something that people should be worried about? And then more interestingly, like, what is this good for? What are some of the things that mm-hmm. maybe chat GPT really would be useful for? So I don't think it's a threat like now and not even necessarily in the foreseeable future. I think it's potentially a tool that can assist along the way, especially as writers and research assistants, people like that, like who are on the ground, like creating the content, um, c- can use 
to, to research things, to, to find information. Like, for example, when I put in, like, what are the best CRMs, it tells me a bunch of them. So you could, you know, find recommendations to then further your research, things like that. As far as, like, creating content that will, like, rank consistently, what we're seeing with Google, especially more and more now, is that it has to be updated consistently. And if this is a, a tool that can only access information up to September 2021, then it's, in my mind, it's fairly useless. <laughs> far as like it's like right. like creating the best answer for readers and the best answer i think is like is even if you're using affiliate affiliate marketing is the long game strategy for ranking consistently and being a trusted source of authority well and i think that the other thing is you my level of trust for a publication is based on the idea that someone there an editor-in-chief has vetted the sources of information i.e the writers or journalists and so that when it gets published under their masthead we can trust it because someone has like verified that this person is an expert on a thing that they're writing about. But if you, if it's all being generated by a AI bot, none of that's true. Right. Yeah. Right? And that's why we, yeah, that's why I encourage writers to write in their own voice to give specific examples to not just like pull screenshots from like, for example, a software that they're talking about, but like to actually get into the software and use it and then take screenshots or videos of that. Right. And like, that's something that we, you just can't replicate with AI. Right now, you, can you can we take parts of what AI can offer as far as like developing an answer? Sure, maybe, right. but it's never going to like replace a human subject matter. Expert. Right, I think that the, this to some extent it's a matter of degrees. Like if you start your research by going to Google and say, "Explain this thing to me," that's not really any different than going to a bot or you know Chat GPT and saying, "Explain this thing to me," but that's not the thing you publish, right? That's step maybe zero in the process. Right. And so then it's like, okay, I can use this information, but I better verify it. I better check it. Maybe it gives me some understanding of like the next thing I should be searching for. Right. But if all you do is have a conversation with chat GPT and you're like, sweet, now I'm an expert on interest rates and everything it told you is wrong. You're not an expert on interest mm. rates and it will hurt you more than the amount of time that it saved you by by using it. Right. Like it's not necessarily going to, going to, going to benefit you. Now I will say this. I can see tools like this being very useful. So I was, we're working on a shed, which we've converted to an office. We're almost there. Floors are in, it's been drywalled, it's insulated. It's everything. Yes, we're getting Instagram. very close. I'm going to probably put trim in in the next, I got to go. Uh, it's been very cold here, like two degrees. And so it's been tough to motivate myself to go out there. <laughs> but I bet so. I mean, we've got snow on the ground here. So I imagine it's uh, much worse it's, there. It's very cold. So, but I was looking for, like I wanted to find companies that would come and spray foam insulation under the floor. Okay. Everything okay. else is insulated, but I want to, I want to do that. And I, I went to a website, one of the websites and as I'm reading through it, like it was fairly obvious that these people, this company may be very good at spray foam insulation, but whoever wrote their copy on their website hat was like writing at maybe a sixth or seventh grade level. Okay. And I'm not like, I don't mean that to be mean. Not in a good way. Not in, no. a, not in a simple to understand way. No, in no, a, no. You know. Like <laughs> the kinds of mistakes you would see. And I'm like, you know, in a situation like that, if you knew like what I want to do is explain to people, whatever, typing that into a, something that would give you better prose, that might be a good place to start because you're mm, still yeah. the subject matter expert and can go, um, that's actually not true. Let me change this and let me go ahead and change that. Like mm. that's in a, in a small company. Like, I don't know how big this particular company was, but let's just for a minute, pretend like it's 10 employees. They're not hiring a copywriter, right? No one, no one's losing their job to <laughs> chat GPT in that scenario because that very small company is not hiring. Obviously they didn't hire a copywriter because I read what was on the website and it was not written by a professional copywriter. So in that kind of case, I feel like this could be a really useful tool to help take the thing you want to communicate and have it phrased in a way that sounds like normal English prose, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I could see that being a good use case, but um, I don't think that people in the editorial industry or other industries like um, what was it? The other art, there was another article that talked about, um, and how it'll affect like the legal industry and whatnot. And that makes right. a lot of sense too, like writing legal briefs. Like a lot of that, if you ever go like for, um, and you know, just go in your state's database and you read legal, you know, um, cases, a lot of that is just word for word copied. And then, you know, yep. the specific instances are put in there. And there, it was saying like there are enough 
legal professionals to generate all of the documents that need to be done. So it's a natural case. For, it's a natural use case for that. But I don't think people should be like really worried about it taking over their jobs. Not now, anyway. And I like to worry about th- not worry about things that are not happening <laughs> in order to control my anxiety levels. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? And even if it's something that is happening, if you can't control the outcome, you probably shouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about it either because the outcome will be what it's going to be. The only difference is whether you're going to be miserable between now and then, right? Right. right. Like, good but I think, I, I think, and I do think there's a distinction between the AI text generators and the AI image generators in that they're you know, an AI image generator isn't giving you necessarily information. Like, I feel like there will always be a place for humans to, like, if what you're trying to do is convey information and knowledge, because I don't feel like, I don't feel like AI is ever going to get to the point where it can really master that the way it can for an image. Because if with an image, all it's doing is like putting pixels together to make Mm -hmm. a pleasing thing to look at but it's not language right Right. it's just an image but language is so much more complicated because it's kind of a reflection of both our thought process and information and so i i I just it's taking a long time but i just typed in write me an email to cancel my cable subscription right and it's doing it it's like dear cable Mm -hmm. provider i hope this email finds you well and it even uses brackets where you should insert nice. the things i hope so it's making finds you a you. template basically yeah i'm writing to formally request a cancellation on my cable subscription with your company my account number is insert account number i've recently decided to switch to a different service and no require your services blah, blah 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 if there's steps i need like it's good actually like this is a pretty good yeah. email and if i was someone now you don't actually email anyone to cancel your cable subscription like you probably have to call which is the worst possible thing but if you needed like this sort of thing to generate a thing because you're like i'm just not very good with words like that's useful right like Mm-hmm. You probably could make your emails sound a lot better by using a tool like this, right? But you yeah, still I, have to know what you're trying to convey. I had a friend saying that they were um, who's job hunting and they were using it for cover um, cover letters and thank you letters, which is a great use case. I could see it um, if you're writing articles that have downloadable templates or value um, added assets, like using it to create templates for things like that. Um, I'm just... I get really nervous about um, using something like that and like destroying your, um, you know, um, your your SEO credibility. Analysis. Right. Yes, yes. Well, because I, it, it makes me very nervous. Yeah. Because you really don't know where is this information coming from and where is this phrasing coming from? That was the last thing I was going to mention is that OpenAI has now put out a tool <clears throat> that supposedly is supposed to help detect when AI generated text <clears throat> has been used because you can just imagine like high school students are like, boom, write me a paper on, you know, the moral quandary of something, something, something in the civil war. Like, I don't know. I'm just making crap up. Like, but you can imagine like teachers are very attuned to what's happening right now. And so there are, you know, they, they put out a tool for that. So I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. I, I really wanted to talk about it. And I knew that you, we, you and I both as writers, like this is the thing that we do. We put words together. And so now there are computers that are putting the words together. So like it doesn't really hit any closer to home. But I think I agree with you that <clears throat> I don't think it's coming for anyone's job. But I do think that there are ways that it can help Yeah, people's job do their job better. Yeah, it made me think about too when um, the more you're talking about the graphics um, and the image generator is the implications it could have for graphic designers. You know, like right now, if I, you know, want a graphic for an article, like, you know, submit a brief to a graphic designer and they come back with something i'm wondering like if this could do the that exact same thing but it would probably be really parallel to like what it does for writers it would it could it could help you with like you know get some idea but it's not going to like create a polished product like a human well and it may create a quote polished product but you better not treat it as your final product because it could be wrong. right yes also that It just kind of goes back to if you are not a subject matter expert or, you know, a true professional in your industry, like we cannot rely on robots yet to act, to pretend to be one because they are not good imposters. Not yet. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, okay. So before we run out of time, we had a couple of off topic because, you know, we wanted to cover this and we did talk about my Ember mug. I do have one other thing I can talk about, but I saw your <laughs> note that you, we're talking about robots that write stuff and you want to talk about robots that clean yes. things up. So long story short, um, I am in the market for a robot vacuum 
um, because I have six cats mostly. <laughs> and like we spend a lot of time <laughs> vacuuming. Uh, and I'm just like, this is if I could take, you know, if I could get back whatever amount of time in my day, what are the most helpful ways to do that rather than paying my kids to vacuum the floors or them complaining about doing it? Or I had someone cleaning my house every month and she found a job. So I'm like, I need to replace her. I'm like, maybe I can replace her with a robot. <laughs> so I've been looking at all these different ones. It's, um, my, my mom has one that she really likes and like something that has a mapping feature is apparently really important. Um, so I'm just, yeah. if, if we have listeners who have recommendations, we would love if you leave a comment and tell us where you're using and why. Um, and I was also wondering if you had one. We don't, we have talked about it on several occasions and I really think that we should get one and I will be full disclosure. I have tried very hard to get someone to send me one so I could test them. <laughs> I have not been super successful yet, but, um, my, I'm almost positive that my parents have one and they, Yes, and they really like it because it does a great job of just because we have a dog and a cat, not however many cats you just said, but I think it would be great <laughs> to have. I would like one. I, yes, yeah, so I want to hear how it goes for you. <laughs> well, apparently, all these ones that like actually like go through and map your entire house are like way more effective yeah. than, than the older models, and they're like always on sale. They're all of them are discounted. So I don't know if you saw, I started doing that column for Apple Insider. So um, I look for deals every day. And um, I always see robot vacuums, and they are never not discounted. So I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like, but right. how do you cho- how do you choose right. one if they're all on sale? Right. That's an interesting question, and I feel like they're probably one of those things where it's like this product is marked up twenty percent, so we can take thirty percent off every time. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was one that was like seventy eight percent off the other day, and I'm like, I almost thought about buying it, but I'm like, then but then I Googled it, and it was like all it was talking about the best ones under $200. I'm like, so it's not normally $400, you know? And then it didn't, it tried to say it kind of, it had a mapping feature, but when I read more reviews, it didn't truly have a mapping feature. So that's why it's so hard to make a purchase right. decision on something like that, because it, you, you have to like really research um, yeah. what it has anyway. So if you use one, please comment. <laughs> yes. Leave us, send just messages on, on Twitter. Yeah. Cause can... I'll definitely see them. um all right so i will put links to all of these different things that we talked about including many of the articles that we referenced in our conversation and uh as i mentioned there will be a fun interview next week talking about the new home pods that are coming out and um after that we will make a good effort to make sure that there is a semi, I just not gonna make any promises, <laughs> but gonna try to keep semi regular uh, episodes because this is a lot of fun. And whenever possible, you know, we'll drag Jess out of work and make her talk about stuff too. So 